0: You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 105. All links and show notes can be found by going to LifeCoachingforParents.com slash 105. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. I hope you are doing well on this fine and smoky day here in Northern California. We have been having terrible forest fire uh, very close to my lake house that I bought last year, so all week, I'm just watching it get closer and closer and closer and burning down everything around it, like all my hiking trails and all the places I like to go and my bike path. And, you know, so far, I mean, there's been a few towns that have burned, let's see, small mountain towns, but a lot of trees. And I'm such a nature lover that it's so sad for me to think about losing just these beautiful, pristine nature scenes to charred ruins. I can't even think about the animals because my heart hurts too much. So I just imagine that they've all evacuated at the same time we did. <laughs> we evacuated three weeks ago and I would imagine that the animals did too. Maybe they smelled it coming and they hightailed it out of there. So I'm going to uh, picture that. And it's been so strange though, because when you are like listening for updates and watching every day you check the news the it's all social media now but you listen to the fire updates and it's just getting closer and closer it's like 5 miles from my house so you're in this fight or flight state like my house is about to burn down my house is burning down and yet there's nothing you can do about it and so your brain is just kind of weird because you're it's in going to the sphere state but then you've got to make dinner and take your kid to the dentist. I guess it's kind of like the pandemic was like that. You know, you're watching the news, you're like, numbers are going up, the numbers are going up. I guess I'll do a puzzle. Like, it's this very strange thing. So anyways, a very strange and heavy week for me here in Northern California. But I'm excited about today's question. So today's question is talking about how do I play with my child? And that she kind of has a hard time shifting into this play state, which is such an awesome question. And it's so much bigger than I think even this mama knew, knew was. Like I just, it's I'm excited to answer it. But before I do, I want to invite you to a free webinar I'm giving on August 23rd. If you have a nine to 12 year old son or daughter, this webinar is for you because this is called Five Ways to Have the Talk With your kids without making it awkward. So, by the talk, I mean talking to kids about sex, puberty, the changes that are going to be happening between the ages of nine to 12. That's when puberty starts. And there's this very significant window of time between the years of nine to 12 when your kids are more open to receiving information. They might not act like they're open, but they really are because. They, they kind of know what's going to happen, right? They know about they're going to turn into an adult someday, but it's still kind of far away from where they are now. And so they're very curious and they're interested and they want to have open relationships with their parents. They want their mom and dad to, to feel comfortable talking to them and about serious topics and important things. And even if they don't act like it, we, we know kids enough to know that they really do want factual information and they want their parents to try to make it as cool and normal and natural as possible. So that's what this webinar is all about. So you can go to timeforthetalk.com and sign up for the free webinar on August 23rd so that you can learn how to open up the lines of communication with your kid in a non-cringy way. So hope to see you there. You got to sign up if you want the information and the, you know, call-in details and all that. So for the talk.com. Now let's get to today's question from Tamika. She writes, Dear Tori, I feel bad for not playing with my kids. They are super cute, five and eight years old, who happily live in the moment. I would love to be more like them. When they ask me to play, I try to say yes, but either I start cleaning or I turn it into a lesson. The other day, they wanted me to swim in the pool with them want to be the kind of mom who can have fun playing in the pool with her kids. I make myself stop cleaning and I put my swimsuit on. I wasn't in the pool five minutes before I started advising them on the proper breaststroke technique and making them swim laps. It's like I forgot how to play. My daughter wants me to shoot hoops with her in the street. I love that she is excited about playing basketball. I want to encourage her and play with her, but my attention span is so short. I tell myself, just play with her for five minutes, but it's agonizing. I feel like I'm wasting time because there are so many things that need to get done. Can you help this all work and no play mama become fun loving and playful? Tamika. Oh my gosh, such a great question. And I think so universal. I mean, I talked to so many moms who really want this, they want to be able to like, you know, sure, let's just get down on the floor and relax and play. And it's hard to do. So the My Parent Educator answer is kind of looking at two different things that might be getting in your way from being able to drop down on the floor and play with your kids. And the first thing is your play personality. So I talked about this way back in episode 15, maybe, about your play personality. And so there's this book by called Play by Dr. Stuart Brown that was so good. I loved it so much. And he talks about the importance of play and the value of play. And he identifies eight categories of play, explaining that not everyone plays the same way. So I would offer that possibly what feels like play to your kids may not feel like play to you. So it sounds like you're defining play the same way that a kinesthete would. So this is one of the personalities of play is a kinesthete. Somebody who thinks if I'm not moving, it's not play, right? So you you ought to play with your kids. But if swimming and shooting hoops don't shift you into a playful state, then it's possible that kinesthete may not be your play personality, okay? So you might have more fun curled up on the couch reading books or hosting a pool party for them and your friends. You might have more fun preparing food (laughs) and snacks for them to eat after swimming than you would by actually swimming yourself. There's nothing wrong with this. This is just recognizing that your kids might have a different play personality than you do. So I'm going to go through the eight play personalities and for everyone who's listening I want you to think about which maybe top two or three sounds like your favorite way to play. Okay? All kids are kinesthetic, like they love to move their body, they need to move their body. This is how they learn and how they integrate learning and you know the gross motor, the fine motor, they all have that aspect of them. But as we get older, we find that we might not be as kinesthetic as we once were, or perhaps there's other play personalities that are starting to emerge that are more strong. So number one, kinesthete. That means I like to move my body in nature or in, you know, like to feel what it feels like to move my body. Number two is a storyteller. This could be Telling stories, reading stories, watching movies, really getting into the characters and the plot. It could be theater, storyteller. Number three, the director. So the director is somebody who likes to create experiences for other people to enjoy. So if you like hosting parties, or like I said, you find more joy preparing snacks for your kids' playmates than you do actually swimming in the pool, then you might be a director. If you like to teach, if you are instructing your kids the proper techniques of the breaststroke, it might be your way of trying to play. It might be that teaching them how to have the proper techniques is play for you. So directors like to be in charge. They like to create experiences for other people to enjoy. Number four is a collector. Someone who likes to collect things, talk about their collections. Number five is a competitor, where it's way more fun if you can make a competition out of it. Number six is a creator, maker, artist, that kind of thing. So, you know, when you say artist, people get kind of funny and perfectionistic about what that means. So I said creator or maker. So this could be somebody who likes to paint, draw, you know, basically put their own ideas into reality. So it could be you want to, you know, create a new system or something. You might like to take things apart and put them back together. You might enjoy organizing your pantry, and that's your creativity, or, you know, decorating your kids' rooms. So things like that. Number seven is an explorer, somebody who likes to be in that kind of state, that mental state of exploring of like, I don't know what's coming next, but I can't wait to find out. So this could be a mile wide and an inch deep, like somebody who likes to travel or an inch wide and a mile deep, like life coaching is very much exploring, you know, going into somebody's thought process, into what makes them tick. And so that's definitely my number one and how I play as the explorer. And the number eight is the joker, the jokester, someone who likes to, you know, be the center of attention, likes to, you know, these are the kids who have their own YouTube channels. (laughs) Uh, They like to pull pranks. They like to, you know, be silly and be known for that. So those are the eight play personalities. Kinestine, storyteller, director, collector, competitor, creator, explorer, and joker. So if you are a competitor, let's say, then you can make swimming more fun for you by doing a how long can you hold your breath contest or who can do the weirdest dive contest. You can take any activity and add in your play personality and make it more fun for you. So I was wondering when I read kind of your what you started to do, you said clean and instruct or make a lesson out of it. I thought maybe you're a director trying to create an experience for people. And so maybe it would be more fun for you to like create a swimming pool obstacle course or make like a checklist for your kids to master each little skill. And that might be how you can play with them instead of putting all that pressure, mama, on yourself. to Say, "I what's wrong with me? I can't play with my kids. I should be able to just play with them. Maybe you are trying to play. So figuring out what feels like play to you can stimulate your brain, reduce the pressure you're putting on yourself, and help you have more fun with your happy kids. So now, before we go on to the life coaching answer, I want to talk about the brain. When neuroanatomist Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor had a hemorrhage on the left hemisphere of her brain, she wrote an amazing book called My Stroke of Insight. It was also a famous TED Talk. You might have seen it. She helped us understand the two hemispheres of the brain, and she explained it so, even though she's a neuroanatomist and from Harvard and super brainy, she did an amazing job of making it uh, easy to understand for a layperson. So our right brains are all about the present moment, right here, right now. When we are in our right hemisphere, we experience a deep connection to like all other energy beings in our environment. This side of our brain thinks in pictures and experiences, lives life through our sensory systems, you know, taste, touch, smell. Our right brains love storytelling, music, movement, creativity, imagination, intuition, and empathy. It's the consciousness of the right hemisphere that causes us to feel playful Joyful, peaceful, and connected to a larger whole. So the question Tamika asked, Why can't I play with my kids? is simple, but it's very powerful because what she's asking is how do I switch from my left brain thinking brain to my right thinking brain? How do I play with my kids? Is how do I switch in the right hemisphere of my brain, which is the, should be the goal for all of us, especially during this last crazy year, because on the right hemisphere of the brain, there's no worry. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. It's all beautiful and playful and present in the moment. That's why I love this question so much because it sounds like such a simple one, but it's really a big picture question. How do I switch to a different part of my brain on command? (laughs) So learning how to manage the mind, to choose which part of your brain you want to be in depending on the circumstances is probably the most beneficial skill any of us can learn during these wild and unpredictable times we're living in. Like this skill set is what we need, how to switch our thinking. So after Dr. Taylor's first book, people were so enamored by her description of life with a healthy right brain and uh, kind of a non-functioning left brain that they kept asking her all these questions. How do I do it? How do I switch to the right brain? And so that's what her latest book addresses. It's called Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice. And this book is the how to her first book's what? How do I tap into the right hemisphere to experience deeper joy, peace, connection? How do we quiet the left hemisphere of our minds so that we can drop into a playful state when our kids ask us to. Well, this really is the goal of life coaching. I think it's to align you with your essence and who you're meant to be and to help you choose which part of the brain you want to use depending on the circumstances. Okay? So before we can choose, we have to recognize and I think name the four sections of the brain. In the book, Whole Brain Living, Dr. Taylor talks about the four sections of the brain as having four distinctly different personalities, okay? So if you want to think about it like a quadrant, even though the brain is not shaped like a square, you could draw it into four sections. The left top corner, we're going to call the left thinking brain. So this left thinking brain, boy, this is the boss that gets it done. This is the part of the brain that thinks about past and future it's very linear it's methodical it gets you to show up on time for places it reminds you that you've got you can't just let your kids go hungry or they're going to fall apart and melt down so you better get that food on the table you know it it's what it's the details it puts things into categories it p- helps us plan ahead for the future Unfortunately, it also reminds us of every past mistake we've ever had, every bad thing that's ever happened that might happen again. It's really responsible for this verbal internal chatter that is constantly running in the background, which says, what's wrong with me? Why can't I play with my kids? I should be better than this. And that kind of annoying side, that's coming from this left thinking brain. So it's super important super valuable to functioning in life, but it's also very annoying because it doesn't usually have a lot of nice, pleasant things to say, and it keeps us from playing. It keeps us from just dropping everything and enjoying the present moment, okay? So it's got, you know, pros and cons. The left feeling part of the brain is this part of your brain that's always afraid, bad things are going to happen. We have to watch out, make sure you don't, you know, there's a COVID variant. It's, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's this really, this part of our brain that says, change, that's scary. Uncertainty, Uh uh-uh. I need to be in control because bad things are happening. So it's like this part of the brain gets scared thinks that bad things are going to happen, and then calls in the left-thinking brain, which I call the captain of the ship Here is like the captain, the boss. So this scared, left-feeling brain calls in the captain and says, uh-oh, <laughs> bad things are going to happen. And so then the captain says, okay, well, we're going to prevent that from happening. We're going to take control of this situation. So these a lot of super moms spend a majority of their day Bouncing back and forth between the left thinking and the left feeling part of their brain, that being scared, that like you know, it's like your kid will do something embarrassing. Like, oh my god, what are people going to think? I'm a loser. Why am- can't I do a better job? And so we're just bouncing back and f- and the way that left thinking brains, well, we need to take charge. We need to take control. We're not going to let her dress that way or act that way in public or, you know, she needs to eat her dinner because something bad's going to happen if she doesn't get enough nutrition. And so we're a lot of super moms bounce back and forth between that left feeling, left thinking brain. Okay. So now what I want you to do is I want you to name these voices inside your head. I named my left thinking brain, the captain. You might want to name it you know, the boss or whatever, depending on how it sounds, the person who gets things done, that left feeling part of my brain, it used to be more like a turtle. I called it my turtle because it would just hide. It's like, oh, that's scary. Let's avoid that. Like it would just pull under shell and not do anything scary and not try new things. Just so afraid to take a risk. So now I feel like it's more like a porcupine. It's like when I feel vulnerable, my little quills go up and I get cold prickly and I I get kind of almost like stiff and I kind of freeze and I'm like, don't make me move. Don't make me do anything. I'm vulnerable. So I'm calling it my porcupine now. So I want you to think about what you want to call these, the brain part of your brain that's always afraid and the part of your brain that gets things done. Now, let's go over to the right hemisphere of the brain. In the upper right hand quadrant, we've got this right thinking part of the brain. This is the part of the brain that Tamika is asking, How do I step into it? It's creative, it's playful. It's focused on the present moment, the five senses, like just the feel of the air on your skin and the smell of the pine trees and the feel of the water and the swimming pool or the way your body moves through space and the enjoyment that you can get from it. This is like where our creativity resides. We get all these ideas. We can have fun and be spontaneous in the moment when we're in this right thinking part of the brain. I call mine dancing queen. So this is when I'm just dancing like nobody's watching, dancing like I don't care. I can be, I was thinking about one of the ways in which I deliberately step into this is when I'm doing my uh, hikes or going for a walk if I'm by myself, if nobody's around I'll start skipping. (laughs) It is very hard to be in a bad mood while you're skipping. It just makes me smile every time. And I feel like I'm being sneaky and I'm like getting away with something. So that's my dancing queen. And that's something I deliberately do to feel playful. Uh, Nature certainly helps me get into that state where I'm not trying to accomplish things. I'm just present in the moment, looking around at the beautiful scenery. So, the right feeling part of that brain, that lower right hand quadrant, is this part of our brain that is fascinated, so curious, compassionate, and connected. It's like the way D- Jill Bolte Taylor says, describes it, is like there's no boundary, there's no place where I stop and you begin. Like, we are all one. And you can recognize moments, like think back into your life when you just had like a moment of inexplicable peace and peace just kind of came over you out of nowhere, or that you were kind of like gotten like being in a negative place, but then like something just struck you as funny and just lifted up that heaviness, and you just like laughed, even though you think, well, that was kind of not really appropriate. But like things that bring in joy, laughter, connection, compassion, peace, fascination. This is where, like you and I are all one. We are connected that this all we're all energy, basically. So this is if you ever listen to any like law of attraction stuff, This is what they are suggesting you go into is this right feeling part of the brain is where you attract things to you because there's no separation, that you are what you vibrate and you attract things to you that you are aligned with your vibrational energy. Okay, so those are the four sections of your brain. So I want you to think about what are you going to call your right thinking, playful, creative part of your brain, Mind's dancing queen. And then what are you going to name this like compassionate, peaceful, connected, no-boundary state. So I call mine just oneness, where we are all one. So everybody has these characters in their brain. Even if you think, "Uh, I don't think I've got that right feeling one. (laughs) You do, because as Dr. Jo Bolte-Taylor says it, she's a neuroanatomist. She can see it under a microscope. You've got the cells, and you've got the connection between the cells. And so getting to know them, naming them, and forming a relationship with each character is what helps you give you the ability to choose which part of the brain to step into, okay? So naming them, recognizing when you're in each one makes it more real. It brings it to life and gives you a sense of like kind of control and tangibility to it. So my hunch is that Tamika, besides maybe not being aligned with her play personality, is probably also in her left thinking part of her brain and maybe balancing back and forth between the thinking and feeling part that like something scary, something bad's going to happen. I need to take control. And so if you are telling yourself like, oh, I'm falling behind on task. I've got so much work to do. My boss is going to be mad at me if I don't show up. Or my mother-in-law is going to be you know, judgmental when she sees how messy my house is. Like We create that inside our mind and that's coming from that, that left side of the brain. And so when you're in that left side of the brain of like, I got to get things done or bad things are going to happen. I've got to focus. There's so much to do. And then your kid invites you to play. They're inviting you into that right thinking part of your brain. And so... This playful, creative, live in the moment exists in all of us. It's part of your neuroanatomy. Uh, But the more you identify and notice times when you've been in your right brain, then the easier it will be to access it. So the answer to Tamika's question of why can't I play with my kids, I think is because she is in the left brain and perhaps trying to play in a way that wasn't really fun for her. Today's life coaching answer, what gets in our way from hopping over into the right brain on command, is our fears. Fear is an emotion in the body. It comes from two places, the way I see it, (laughs) our instincts and our thoughts. I remember sitting way up high on a ropes course. I was held up by one cable above me and a tiny little piece of wood below me. I was scared out of my mind because I was so high above the ground. My instincts were telling me, I should not be here. This is dangerous. My heart was pounding. My palms were sweating. My mouth was dry. My body was shaking, but my verbal mind was quiet. There wasn't a lot of chatter going on. It was, I think Martha Beck called it, the place beyond fear. When I got to a place where I could like stop and think, (laughs) I remember coming up with a thought of, this is what real fear feels like. It's pretty damn exhilarating. The fear I felt on a daily basis caused by that thinking in my brain, I've decided to call fake fear. So fake fear comes from scary thoughts inside our head. It's the verbal left feeling brain creating imaginary future scenarios or replaying past scenarios that we react to as though they are actually happening right now. If I take time to play with my kids, work will pile up and I'll get overwhelmed later. Anybody else ever tell themselves that? It's just a thought in the head, but it sounds true when it's coming from that scared part of your brain that says bad things are happening. A good mom would be able to keep the house clean, put dinner on the table, and happily swim in the pool with the kids when they ask. Since I can't do all those three things, I must be a failure. This is how that fearful part of our brain talks to us. I don't have time to play. My boss will be mad. The teacher will think I'm flaky. The kids will get cranky, and I won't have accomplished anything today. All that verbal mental chatter coming from the left brain. telling yourself I should be able to play with my kids is a surefire way to suck the joy out of the afternoon. So in order to choose which section of the brain you want to go in at any given moment, we need to release the fears that keep you stuck. There are many ways to release fears. This is what we spend a lot of time doing in life coaching calls. But there's two that I think could work really well that Tamika could do on her own. One is exercise and the other is breath work. When the brain goes into the fight or flight response, blood rushes to our extremities, we start sweating, and our heart rate increases. You may need to run to the toilet, but this physiological response happens without our permission or consent, right? It just happens. Our central nervous system takes over and it's like, ah, freaks out, right? So even though we might be creating it with a stressful thought like, I can't mess up, it's pretty much on automatic pilot the responses. So when we enter this physiological state, it's helpful to act on it by going for a run, riding a bike, punching pillows, or somehow fighting or flinging. This is what was bothering me this week was I was going into the state of fight or flight, but there was nothing to do. I couldn't, you know, I mean, I did go exercise, but I wanted to, we, when we left our house, we didn't know we were going to be evacuated, so I didn't take anything with me. So I, like, I want to go up there, take everything I value, and bring it home, but I can't. So it was frustrating. And so instead, I went and I exercised so that I could get this out of my system and not keep it inside while I'm sitting there in the waiting room of the dentist's office. So any exercise where you work with sweat can be tremendously helpful to shift you out of fear and into the state of rest and play. The other way to release fear and shift your brain out of the fight or flight state is to do breath work. I'm calling it breath work because if you say like deep breathing, people are like, yeah, yeah, I'm breathing. Like I'm already breathing. That's, how is that helpful? So I'm calling it breath work because it takes work to focus on your breathing. We can't force ourselves to stop sweating or redirect the blood flow in our bodies to our organs, but we can take deliberately slow, deep breaths. If you encounter a bear in the wild, you're automatically going to take short, shallow breaths (laughs) or hold your breath, right? So when we do that, our brain goes into fight or flight. But when you're relaxing in a hammock under a palm tree, automatically, if all is well and your brain's not freaking out, then your breath will slow down and become slower and deeper. So when our body goes into fight or flight, but we take slow, deep breaths, we confuse the brain. The brain's like, wait, what? I thought we were running from a bear. And now we're under a palm tree sitting in a hammock? What? So this deep breathing tricks our central nervous system into shifting into a relaxed state. So both exercise and breath work bring you into the present moment, which shifts you into the right hemisphere of your brain, which is, makes it easier for you to shift into a playful brain state. So if you want to shift into a playful brain state, be aware of the state that you're in, which part of the brain. Exercise, breathe or do some sort of sensory activity that brings you into the present moment, and then you can choose to go swim in the pool with your kids or make it more fun for you. Today's supermom kryptonite is too much left brain thinking. So kids are great at living on the right side of their brain. They live in the moment, they use their imagination, their creativity, and they exist in a state of play. Parents and teachers dwell on the left side of their brain, right? We remind kids about the existence of rules and cleaning up after themselves. We're always talking about time. We got to go. What's coming next? It takes a strong left brain to manage the comings and goings of a family. Doctors appointments, grocery shopping, getting to school on time could not be managed without a strong left brain. So every time we talk about the plan for the day, we read from left to right, we are encouraging our children's left brain thinking, okay? So you don't have to worry about them not developing their left hemisphere of their brain. It's gonna happen naturally in today's world because our culture is very left brain dominant. But today's super mom kryptonite is an over dominance of the left brain. If we spend too much time following rules, watching the clock, accomplishing tasks, we lose out on the beautiful gifts of right brain thinking. So instead of always trying to bring your kid over to the left brain, come on, hurry up, we got to go. That's bringing them into left brain. Try joining them in their right brain. So if your kid is playing with superheroes instead of eating breakfast, join into his world. Incorporate the two. Have the superhero eat breakfast with your child, taking turns. Okay, you know, Superman takes a bite, I take a bite, you take a bite, and you make it fun and playful by stepping into their egg brain, fueling up the superhero, and then flying into the car. This is makes it so much easier to get your kids in the car in the morning if you can step into their world instead of always trying to get them to come into yours. Come on, hurry up, put your shoes on. We got to go. That's you bringing them into your left brain world. But going into the right brain world is makes life so much more easy and more fun. So some of my favorite ways for me to shift into my right brain are what I call do nothing day. So just like pick a day on the calendar and you're like, on this day, I'm going to do nothing. The goal, the only goal is to accomplish nothing. So I can do whatever I feel like doing in the moment. If I feel like cleaning that day, I can, but I have to not accomplish anything. So it's kind of a fun little mental twist. (laughs) Exercise classes are so good for my creative idea machine that sometimes I have to bring a notebook to class because my ideas just start popping and I want to write them down. So uh, exercise is always good for me, but particularly a class uh, with other people there. So I really missed that during the pandemic. Sitting in the sunshine for five minutes and just focusing on my breath and the warmth of my skin. Going for a walk in nature without my phone. (laughs) Sacred pet the doggy time, as I call it. So just first thing in the morning, just sitting on the couch and petting the dog and not doing anything else. My sacred chocolate after dinner, where I'm just savoring it, I'm smelling it, I'm tasting it, I'm enjoying really good chocolate. I do that with my morning coffee sometimes, just sitting there and enjoying drinking. So anytime you can slow down and pay attention to the sensory experiences that you're having in the moment, shifts you to your right brain. I love floating in water, like hot tubs, pools, lakes. I love watching a sunset, dancing. So all of these things are tricks that I use to shift me into my right hemisphere. Today's super mom Power Boost is meditation. You're probably ready to turn off the podcast at this point. You've probably heard about meditation before. This is a popular topic. And this is also why it took me 105 episodes for me to mention it <laughs> as an energy power boost, because it is an energy power boost. It is a magic pill, this meditation. It has no side effects, or at least no adverse ones. But studies show that it can decrease anxiety, depression, insomnia, blood pressure, symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, menopause, cravings, addictive impulses, like it is magical. Meditation is shown to improve immune system function, boost attention span, memory, creativity, productivity, self-awareness, happiness, and emotional well-being. If you had a pill that did all those things, wouldn't you take it? The problem is that this pill is really hard to swallow. So most people hear about meditation and think, oh, how hard could it be? You just sit and you think about nothing and you focus on your breath. Well, when our left verbal brain has been in charge for a long time, it's not going to relinquish control that easily. This captain of the ship is going to fight like crazy to stay in charge. So when you first try to meditate, expect to get squirmy, distracted, and find a million more compelling things that urgently need your attention. But the more you try it, the easier it gets. This magical pill shrinks. It gets easier to swallow. The resistance to meditation subsides and you start to look forward to this break from this left verbal brain. The biggest benefit of meditation is the same thing life coaching provides. It sits you in the driver's seat of your brain. Every time you have an impulse to get up off your chair and you force yourself to sit back down, You declare dominion over your mind. The spirit and the essence of you gets to be in charge. You get to decide what you want to think, how you want to feel, the actions you want to take, no matter what your default setting might be based on the past and that left fearful brain. So the benefits of meditation are huge, just like the benefits of life coaching, because it sits you in the driver's seat of your brain and gives you the power to choose which part of your brain you want to be in at which time. Today's quote of the day, Western women will save the world, the Dalai Lama. And I believe this is why, because We are highly motivated to make the world a better place for our kids, and we are open to life coaching and meditation and doing these things that are good for our brains. So no pressure, mamas, but know that you have the power to create in little ways. You're making significant changes every time you try to meditate and you make it through five minutes without getting up. That is a victory that I believe will help save the world. You all take care. You have a wonderful day. Send us some rain and humidity here to California, please. That would be lovely if you're living in a state that has some water in any form. We'll take it. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you. If you have a nine to 12 year old, I will see you on August 23rd at the free webinar. Again, you can go to Life, or not Life Coaching for Parents. That's where I am. Time for the Talk is the name of the website for the sex education class and free webinar. Take care. I will love you and leave you want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.